good morning. We're glad that you're here to worship with us today. And if you're joining online, we wanna welcome you as well. Thank you so much for being here to worship. Would you please stand as we just come into a time and a place of worship here? I'll tell you what, as we get going here, let's, let's just remember, let's take a minute just to remember the goodness of God, his, his, pray, uh, his, his presence in our lives, his promises for us. Let's just take a minute to remember that as we come together into this time of worship.
prosper when the darkness falls it won't prevail because the God I serve knows only how to triumph my God will never fail oh my God will never fail this is our story
Father in heaven, we trust you in our, our lives and your presence, Lord, is with us everywhere we go, Lord. We just thank you so much for just your goodness and your provision for us. Father, we just rest in your presence right now. Lord, we know that you are here with us. Lord, that you desire good things for us. So Father, help us to fix our eyes and our minds and our hearts, Lord, on the goodness of Jesus. Lord, thank you for your son that died on our behalf, Lord, that we may be called sons and daughters. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Would you please have a seat? Anytime we do something over and over again, it can kind of just slide into the background of who we are and to our daily basis. But that's one reason why we really pause and take time to do offering each week. You see in Exodus 35, 22, it says that all that were willing, both men and women, brought jewelry to give to the Lord. They gave rings and brooches, earrings and ornaments out of their worship and faith to him. And I love that because it shows us that we don't give offerings because it's on our to-do list or because it's a have to, but it is out of a love and worship and hope for him and our future with him. So please join us in offering each week. If you're here on campus, we have the ability to do it at the doors or you can visit our website or text the word give to the number on the screen um, to see how to do those things. If you would pray with me for our offering. Dear Lord, thank you so much for all that you have given us this week. Thank you for our safety, our warmth, and our comfort. Lord, please take these gifts that we give to you and use them as only you can see best fit. We trust and love you, Lord. Thank you for your part and your direction in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. We started last week a Bible reading on Wednesday, and if you haven't started that already with us, we're going through the Gospels as we lead up to Easter. I encourage you, just jump on our website and, or our Facebook page, and you can see how to do that with us. We have a listening option, which is from the Bible.is app, and if you want to know how to download that or how to share um, the reading from that, I encourage you to go to our website, and there's a video there. It shows you step-by-step -step directions on how to download the app and how to find our reading plan. But once you've started it, you can actually share it with others in over 1,500 languages. And it's one of the things I did last week. I have a friend, Sarah, who's from Somalia, and I met her through the New Roots for Refugee program that I've been volunteering with for the last decade here in Kansas City. She's a local farmer who, when I sent her that link, she really was touched. While she has read the gospel many times in English, She's never heard it in the language that she was born into. We have had multiple conversations since early last week where she has really cried over the fact that she wasn't sure that the gospel was really for her because she'd never heard it in her, in her heart language. They call them their heart language, the language that they were raised in. Most of us in this room have grown up listening to the gospel in the language that we heard from our parents. And she had never had that opportunity until this last week. So I strongly want to encourage you, do that. Maybe you send it to someone who's an English-speaking native, but maybe they know someone. Because we can make such a big difference for people when they learn the gospel and hear the gospel through the language that most unites them with who they are. So please jump on and do that this week and help spread the gospel throughout Kansas City during this time leading up to Easter. We are really grateful that you are here with us. If you are new, I encourage you to text the word new to the number on the screen so that we can contact you um, this week and make sure that we are getting you any questions answered you have, as well as getting to know you. If you are a BSCC regular who is online with us, please either comment your name in the Facebook group or text it into that same number. Thank you.
Well, hi, church. Uh, I want to say a very big hello to each of you online. Uh, just thankful to be able to be together for worship. I also want to give a, uh, a big, great job to BSCC for yesterday in filling up the City Union Mission uh, tr truck that we had here on our campus. Uh, I could tell they were excited about uh, the response, and i just uh, so grateful, church, for, uh, for the way in which uh, so many of you served yesterday in that way. Well, we are joining them with about 300 other churches in the Metro KC area for a campaign leading up to Easter called One, and there's actually hundreds if not other, you know, thousands of other churches around the world also participating in this, this spiritual growth emphasis through the, the Gospels. Um, and uh, we, we're, we're working our way in our worship services through the Gospel of Mark. We just began last week, although we kind of began in the middle of the book, and we're coming back today now to, to the start of the book. And you can experience the Gospel of Mark leading up to Easter these next seven weeks uh, in our worship time. But then also, if you want to go even deeper, um, in a small group. We have Mark study groups meeting all throughout the week that will be watching uh, the film, uh, the story of Mark, uh, the, the account of Jesus, and then having some questions and about applying it to our lives. And so if you'd like to get in a Mark study group, I'd certainly encourage that. If you go to our website, bscc.org, and just click on connect and then adult groups, it'll, it'll take you to that how to sign up, or if you'd just like some help, uh, Tom Worstel, our Minister of Engagement, would love to be able to help you connect in to one of our Mark study groups. But I, I want to I begin this second message in our series through the book of Mark by asking you this question. <clears throat> what, are you, what are you hoping for right now in your life? Would you think about that? What, what is it that you really are hoping for? I, I would say we're all hopers, you know. Hope is why people go on blind dates, you know. Hope is why, you know, some people get married or some people have children. Hope, hope is why we join gyms, right? Hope is why we go to counselors. Hope is why we invest in the stock market. Uh, hope is why we read our Bible, you see. I mean, the, the human soul can endure pretty much anything except for the loss of hope. Somebody said hope is like oxygen for our soul. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope, hope deferred, hope delayed, hope postponed, it can really make the heart sick. Have you ever hoped for something and it just it had to wait and it just felt like delay after delay? Maybe, maybe you wanted to have a baby and, uh, you know, you, you thought you were pregnant or you thought your wife was pregnant, and, but the test came back negative again, you know, hope deferred. Maybe you're hoping to get a promotion at work. But then you got the word somebody else got it instead. Maybe the boss is even like, you know, next time maybe, next time might be your turn. But, you know, hope delayed. Maybe you've wanted to buy a house and you were waiting to hear back from the bank, you know, but the word came back, you didn't qualify for the loan. Hope, hope deferred. It can really make our heart sick. And this is where the people of Israel found themselves really <clears throat> for centuries they have been hoping for the Messiah to come. Because in 2091 B.C., God tells Abraham and Sarah that he's going to build a great nation from them. And even though, you know, despite their age and that Sarah had never been able to become pregnant yet, he makes this promise to them. It fills them with hope. And he says, and from that nation will come the Messiah, will come the uh, anointed one that will save the world. And so they were, they were thrilled and excited, but it took 25 years then from, from that promise before Isaac is born, their firstborn, and they're, they're so happy about this. But this idea of God building a great nation from them is getting off to an awful slow start. Well, I want you to fast forward with me now to the end of the Old Testament. So now it's 400 B.C. And Israel has become quite a, quite a great nation, but the Messiah still has not come. And it's now, it's now been 1,691 years since God made this promise to Abraham and Sarah. You want to talk about hope deferred. For those of us who pace back in front of a microwave waiting for it to heat something up, we just can't wrap our minds around, you know, waiting and waiting and continuing to put your hope, you know, in something. 
Well, the last person to speak in the Old Testament is Malachi. And, and he says that the next prophet of God will be the one who introduces the Messiah, the hope of the world. And I just want to read that prophecy from Malachi chapter 3. I will send my messenger, and that's referring to John the Baptist. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And so that's the prophecy. The next person that will speak, you know, will present the Messiah. But 400 more years pass. And you would think at a certain point for the people of Israel, it would kind of shift inside of them from, from hope deferred to hope lost. But then around the summer of A.D. 26, it happens. And again, it's been now 2,117 years since God spoke to Abraham and Sarah and said, from you I'm going to bring, you know, the hope of the world. And this is the story then that we're going to be working our way through over the next seven weeks leading up to Easter as the Messiah comes onto the scene and we are able to read about his life. The book opens with this phrase. I love how the Gospel of Mark begins. Look at this. Chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So Mark says, I, I, this is the beginning of the good news. And the people of Israel had to be like, boy, it's, it's, <laughs> we need some good news after all of this time, you know. And Mark links this good news, again, to the beginning of Jesus and his ministry, you see. And that's what we're going to talk about here as we look at the next few verses in the Gospel of Mark. But before we do that, I just want to say something about hope because it's so important, I think, for us to understand that when the Bible uses the word hope connected to the good news of Jesus, that's very different than how we use the word today. Because when we use the word hope, we usually uh, or often will, will have in mind, I wish, you know. We, we sit down to watch a movie. Boy, I hope, I hope it's a good movie. I've, I've heard somebody recommended it. I've, you know, I think it will be, but I don't know for sure. I'm, I'm, I wish, I hope. We drive through Chick-fil-A. Boy, I sure hope they took the pickles off of that sandwich like I ordered. I hope they get my order right, you know. I, and they're usually very good at it, but I, I wish, I hope I'm not. But when the Bible uses the word hope, connected to the good news of Jesus Christ, it is, I am certain, you see, I can have absolute confidence about this and what God has said to me as it is related to the good news of Jesus Christ. It's just a whole different way of living when we live our lives based upon the hope that is found in the good news of Jesus Christ. I hope so I'm able to have peace in my life and heart. I, I hope so I am not afraid, you see. I hope so I'm able to go into this day with optimism in spite of the difficulties and challenges that I'm facing. And again, it's always connected to the good news of Jesus. And so where Mark goes next then is exactly where the prophet Malachi said would happen. And John the Baptist comes to the forefront. Now, Mark doesn't quote Malachi. He quotes another prophet that also wrote about John the Baptist, Isaiah. Let me read this to you. This is verse 2 of our gospel. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. That's a very important phrase for our lives. I want to come back to it. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John was quite a character, very unconventional guy, very kind of scruffy guy, lived out in the, in the wilderness, you know, locusts and honey, that was his diet, you know. As I thought about it, I guess there's some balance in there, locusts, you know, you got your protein, honey, the carbohydrates, you know, but 
His message is prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And the people in that day would have known exactly what he was getting at in his illustration here. Because in that day, when a king was going to go visit a city or a province that he had authority over, he would send a messenger ahead saying, good news, the king is coming, prepare the way. And then they would send construction crews in, and they would level out the hills, and they would, they would fill in the ditches, and they would remove all of the obstacles and just uh, you know, all the debris out of the way so there would be this unencumbered, very you know, wide open road and clear road for the straight road for the, the king and those with the king to, to, come, to come in. And, and this is what John is saying in terms of people's heart. You need to clear the way for the coming king. You need to make a straight path into your heart, into your life, that the Messiah can walk and, and, and come into your life. You, you, you need to clear out the debris and all of the, remove all of the obstacles. The, you need, you need to, to get rid of the selfishness and the, and, and the sin in your life and, and turn back to God and open your heart back up to God. This, this is the message of John the Baptist here as he prepares the way for the Messiah. And verse 5 tells us how the people respond. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So through John's ministry, God is preparing the hearts of the people to, to turn away from, from a life of sin, a life kind of, you know, without God, without being focused on God, to, to, to recognize now is the time for the Messiah to come into my life and bring this, this hope that overcomes all things, you see. So, then for you and me, this is our story as well. That to, to receive and live in this hope that is a life-altering hope, the first thing that we've all got to do is acknowledge our need for Jesus. Do you see your need for Jesus? In Luke 7, Jesus is quoted as saying about John the Baptist, among those born of women, there has never been anybody greater than John. What a statement about John his character, who he is. And when you look at his life, you realize few people have made the kind of dedication and commitment to God that John had. I mean, from his birth, he was committed to the restrictions of the Nazarite vow. And the, the, the level of self-denial for the sake of God that that vow required is incredible. And now as we see, he's communing with God out in the wilderness. He's separating himself from the distractions and, and the conveniences and comfort, but the temptations of, of, you know, of life in town and, and all of that, just, just that he might be focused upon God and the calling of God upon his life. And I'm, I'm sharing this with you because, because if you think about, okay, self-denial and good deeds being a way in which a person can be right with God and their relationship with God or, or be able to earn their way to heaven, John the Baptist would be at the top of the list, right? And I want you to see how he assesses himself spiritually. This is the next verse in our gospel here, verse 7. John says, after me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And that's not false modesty from John here. He's just, he has a good sense of self-awareness. And he's like, my, my moral authority and worth compared to the Messiah, he's like, I, I know, you know, what I've done and my works, they count for nothing when it comes to being right with God and, and being saved, you see. John's saying, I need, I need the Messiah here. And he's, he's just leading by example here in his ministry. You know, when you watch a documentary or you watch, you know, 2020 or Dayline or, or these shows about international conflicts and about the, the problems of society, you know, um, you know poverty and, and war and racism and hunger and these things. You ever, you ever watch one of these shows and, 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 and they, in the show they're like, okay, and, and the, the root issue, the root problem here is sin. No, <laughs> no. No, I, I've not seen one yet, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it might be, you know, that, that we blame, you know, education, 
that might bl the blame might fall on the government or or on you know our genetic makeup or the way in which people are raised but but it, it doesn't get to the to the heart of the problem the root of the issue which is sin which is we need Jesus we we need the messiah this is this is where hope is found it's found in him sin is is any attitude or action that would be against God as he's created us and said here here's how you are to live and I'm like no I, I'm not I'm not going to do that I'm not going to live that way and and so you know be it jealousy maybe in our life or resentment or or greed or envy or, or lust but these these intentions of our heart that are against God the Bible calls these iniquities and I want to read a verse from again the prophet Isaiah about this he writes but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So, so sin separates us from God. And it's not because God doesn't love us because he loves you dearly, cares deeply about you. He, he made you. But God is holy. So he separates himself from sin. And what that ends up doing for all of us is it leaves a hole in our heart. That nothing can fill up. Pascal calls it a God-shaped hole. And it, it just, nothing, we try to fill it and satisfy that hole with other things. I also like what St. Augustine has to say about this. Let me read this to you. He puts it this way. Lord, thou hast made us for thyself and we are restless until our hearts find their rest in thee. Our hearts are restless until they find themselves in thee. So you were made by God and you were made for God. And until there is that connection, there's going to be a restlessness on the inside, a, a sense of discontent and, and unfulfillment. One of the terms that the Bible uses to describe this, this disconnection from our God and Creator is spiritual darkness. When, you know, when I'm in the dark, I, I kind of bump around. I can't, I can't really see where I'm going. I, so I, I, I don't know the meaning of life. I, I don't know why I'm here. I don't really know where I'm supposed to be going. You see, this, this separation. This is the message that John the Baptist brings. That we need Jesus. That, 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 that every one of us need the hope that is found in the Messiah, the you know, the Christ, the chosen one, he alone. About this Savior, Mark writes then, quoting John in verse 8 of our gospel, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to come back and say something about that in a moment. But as John is speaking to the crowd, then Jesus comes and says to John the Baptist, I want you to baptize me. And John is like, oh, I am so unworthy. I, you need to baptize me. I, I can't do that. But Jesus reassures him. The, the, the promises of God need to be fulfilled. This is the right thing. I want you to do this. So let's, let's watch what happens. Take a look at one of the screens here. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. When he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So as Jesus comes up out of the water then, there's a physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit that descends. Mark describes it as being like a dove. And then there's a voice from heaven that addresses Jesus as my beloved son. So what we have here is we have the Trinity coming together. 
marking this as a sacred moment right here, you see, where the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus and, and the Father affirms Him and the Son receives the Spirit and that affirmation from the Father. And what's happening here is that Jesus is being commissioned to begin the mission that God, the reason why he came to earth. This is a, a very sacred moment of empowerment in, in the beginning, the initiation of, of the public ministry of Jesus happening here. After John then finishes baptizing Jesus, I want to share with you the, the next thing that happens, and this will be kind of where we'll, we'll, we'll stop our, our going through the gospel here today. Verses 12 and 13. At once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals, and angels attended him. So the Holy Spirit leads Jesus as he begins this next phase of his life. He's about 30 years old now, and he spends 40 days out fasting, being with the Father, but there's also then the, this spiritual warfare that's happening that will be a part of the next three and a half years as he does his ministry here leading up to his crucifixion. And so he's surrounded by evil. I, I, I kind of read into with the wild animals, there's, the, there's the, that threat as well there. But he is not alone, that the Spirit of God is watching over him. Angels are attending to him. And just this whole first 13 verses of the, of the Gospel of Mark is about the authority or the affirmation of the divine authority that Jesus has to do this work that he's going to be doing. This work that should change everything about your life, that should change everything about how you see life and live your life based upon the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. This, this, this good news, the, the fulfillment of this mission the, the divine authority that Jesus has to, to be the Messiah. You see, this, this, is, what, this is what these opening verses are, are really, I think, affirming, particularly the baptism. I talked about you know, the baptism of Jesus here being a, a kind of a, the initiating of his public ministry, but I think there's something else going on here that's very relevant to us as well. Because I think in presenting himself to be baptized, Jesus is giving you know, the act of baptism by immersion into water a new meaning. And we see this as we read in the book of Acts, as people come into a faith relationship with Jesus being baptized. We read about it through all of the, you know, so many of the New Testament letters that are written, including in Romans that I want to share with you. As Paul writes in chapter 6 <clears throat> about baptism, He writes, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, as just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So when we make the decision to put our faith in Jesus and what he had accomplished for us on the cross, we become freed of the guilt and the shame of our sin. And when it talks here about, it says that we join with Jesus in his death. It's talking about we, we join with him in the benefits that he has obtained for us in his death. The forgiveness of our sins. The, 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 the reconciliation that we're able to have with, with God because sin does not separate us anymore. Because you see, the, the work that Jesus did on the cross satisfied in full the holiness of God and the justice of God for our sin. And Jesus was your substitute there, you see, on the cross, paying in full the penalty and the price that you and I, all of us, owed God because of our sin and disobedience, enabling us then to be able to begin a new life. Our, our old way of life and sin is has been put to death, and our new life now is found in the hope of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, the act of baptism doesn't save us, but what it is is it's a benchmark of that time in our life when the Messiah becomes 
our Savior, and we begin to live a new life marked by the Holy Spirit. And that's what John was saying when he said there in verse 8, I baptize you with water, but the one coming after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, you see, with the power of God. That, that, that we can be so close to God now because of the hope of Jesus that he comes and lives within us, you see. This is the hope we have because of the good news of Jesus. So then, for you and me, for us to, to receive this hope and, and, and live our lives by this, this, this hope that overcomes all things, the first thing you must do is, is to acknowledge your need for Jesus. But then the second thing that you and I, we must do as well, is we must acknowledge that our hope, you see, is in him. Is your hope in Jesus? Is that where your hope rests? And I want to begin to talk about this by telling you a great story about one of the most famous hymns ever written. It was written back in the late 1800s by Francis Crosby. It's called Blessed Assurance. Remember that song? We're going to sing that song here in a little bit. Blessed Assurance. Well, she went over to a friend's house one day and the friend was playing this tune that didn't have any lyrics. And she asked Francis, she said, what, <clears throat> what, what is this melody saying to you? And Francis immediately said to her, I'll tell you what it's saying to me. It's saying, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And then she just sat down and wrote the rest of the lyrics to that song very quickly. It's become one of the most famous hymns ever. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Now, some things about Francis Crosby you may not know. When she was one, her, her father died. So she was raised by her, her single widowed mom. When she was six weeks old, she got some inflammation around her eyes. And the remedy that the doctor prescribed actually ended up causing irreversible damage and consequences and left her blind throughout her life. At the age of 15, Frances enrolled in the New York School for the Blind. At the age of 22, she'd learned to play all of the major instruments. And she'd signed a, a contract with a publishing company to write songs. And she penned over 8,000 Christian songs and hymns. In fact, there was a point where the publishing companies asked her to start using pseudonyms so it didn't appear like they were only publishing her songs, you see. It's an incredible story. She, she married her husband without ever, you know, seeing him. And she, uh, she died without, you know, knowing her dad or really being able to see her mom. So many challenges. But I want to share with you what she said about her blindness. So let me read this to you. <clears throat> when asked about her blindness, she replied, if perfect earthly sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I'd been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me. Francis Crosby experienced and lived with this, this hope that, that comes from the good news of Jesus Christ into our lives. Blessed assurance, she writes, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of the Spirit, washed in his blood. <clears throat> this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Church, I want to ask you, is this your story? I want to ask you, is this your hope? We're going to put a, a number up on the screen, and if you'd like to talk with someone about the hope that is found in Jesus, the, the, the forgiveness of, of sin, the new life with God that Jesus offers you, if you'll take your phone and text the word response to that number, we'll have one of our ministers reach out to you. But let me just say to each of you here in the room that if you'd like to talk with someone about Jesus, about maybe being baptized, maybe you've never been immersed before, that here in a few minutes when the usher comes to dismiss you instead of exiting out over this way to the back, we're inviting you to come up front over here 
up front to your left, and we'll have a minister over here as well to be able to share with you. Now, I want to lead us into a time of prayer by giving you an opportunity to put your hope in Jesus. And so, what do you need to give to Jesus today? What, 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 is, what is it that is in your life right now that you would say, I, I need and desire you know, the hope of Jesus to come into that part of my life? Is there a fear, maybe something you're very worried or anxious about? Maybe there's a loss and you're grieving, uh, a hurt that you're going through right now. Maybe, maybe there's a, a sin that needs to, to be confessed and uh, to be you know, honest and open with God about. But what do you need to, to give to Jesus and just, just leave with him here? That's what I want to invite you to pray about. Maybe, maybe you need wisdom right now in your life and guidance. Maybe you need strength and you're weary. Maybe you need you know, the friendship that Jesus provides. He, 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 he is with us here. I, I love how the Gospel of Mark you know, opens the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And you can be confident that Jesus has good news for you, news that will bring you hope. You can be confident that he loves you. He gave his life for you. He will take good care of you. And so I'm just going to pause as we go into our prayer time for you to be able to talk with Jesus about whatever is on your heart. I invite you to put your hope in him. Let's go, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, as we begin our journey through the Gospel of Mark, we just, we just uh, pause to acknowledge and recognize that the most important understanding we will ever have is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. We welcome <clears throat> the hope that that good news brings into our life right now, each of us. We, we, we welcome that. Jesus, come into our, our hearts, into our minds, into our lives, into our, our situations, into our relationships. Have your way in us, Jesus. Those of us who have put our faith in you, you know, the Bible describes it this way, that, that we have died and our life is now hidden with you, Jesus, in God. Yes, you are our hope, Jesus. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for carrying our burdens with us. Thank you that we can do all things through you, Jesus, and the strength that you provide. Thank you that you have said whenever we need wisdom to just ask and you will give it generously. Oh, our hope is in you. But the Bible is true where it says that we are more than conquerors in all things through you, Jesus, who have loved us. Our hope is in you. We worship you and honor you, Jesus, as we consider your coming, the depth of your love and devotion to us. You are our hope, Jesus. We thank you that as we, as we use that word when it is connected to your good news, there is a confidence, there is, there is a, a certainty, blessed assurance. Jesus, thank you for that assurance that you bring to us. We rejoice in that and celebrate that together as we lift this prayer up to you in your name. And all of God's people said, amen. Church, let's stand and sing together.
blessed assurance Jesus is mine Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine Heir of salvation Purchase of God Born of His Spirit Washed in His blood Perfect submission All is Christians, that our hope is in Jesus and Him alone, that our salvation and our eternity is secure because of what He has accomplished for us and not because of our own effort. Would you please have a seat? And on that thought, we remember just the cross and the salvation that Jesus has brought about by the cross. And so if you brought a cup or you're joining online, we also want to invite you into this time as, as we just remember the salvation of, of Jesus on the cross. And um, so let's just go ahead and take the top off of, off your cup there. And if you're joining online, just use whatever you have with you. And let's just eat in remembrance of the body that was broken. same way, let's also just drink in remembrance of the blood that was shed. want to thank you again so much for being here in worship today. We are going to go ahead and dismiss our services. If you're joining online, thank you so much for, for watching and, and worshiping with us there. And for those that are here in person, we pray that you just have a wonderful, wonderful week, that this good news that we've heard today, uh, that our salvation in Jesus would resonate with you uh, for all the days to come. So if you could just kind of stay put, we're going to go ahead and dismiss and have an usher come and dismiss you. We'll see you guys later.